Another fella that does a remarkable job, often without the assistance of writers, is someone that's uh, capable of writing a thing or two himself, including a few New York Times bestsellers. He's also the co-host of Fox and Friends, a nationally syndicated radio talk show host, and the host of uh, One One Nation with Brian Kilmeade Saturday nights on the Fox News Channel, which is just killing it in the ratings. He's kind enough to spend some time with us every Thursday morning. Brian, it's good to talk to you. What's going on, Frank? Brian, I have been eager to ask you the question, what are you more upset about, Aaron Hmm. Rodgers or Putin and Kim Jong-un in this alliance to sell weapons to one another? How much time do I have? (laughs) Um, um, Number one, it was pointed out to us brilliantly yesterday by Douglas Murray. He says it's pathetic to take the poorest country in the world and have a theatrical shaking of hands for 40 seconds. This is this is a country that is starving its people to death with the most reviled leader in the world and says, hey, let's reaffirm relations. And Douglas Murray actually told me he was probably the only Westerner ever at a North Korean military parade. He says if you could see the quality of their equipment, it is pathetic, even though they have a small nuclear program and it should – be, you know, you should be worried about it. You do not want to do a deal with North Korea. So it shows how few friends they have. But what Vladimir Putin could do is share with them technology, which could have the whole world on edge because the guy's got no moral compass, obviously, doesn't mind killing everybody, including his uncle with a fighter jet. So I, I think there was, I'm more worried about what he says is 400,000 people he's going to mobilize to add to his fighting force. I don't know if he has it, but if Putin puts 400,000 people, reluctant, untrained, got it, into the theater, that could change things because Ukraine is making progress right now. And uh, I, I, speaking of worried, I'm a little worried about this voice of yours. You have six hours of broadcasting ahead of you today. I mean, what, what happened? You have a cold or is this overuse? Um, I'm not really sure. It's getting stronger every day. All right. Well, there's um, uh, throat coat is a uh, a tea that I swear by, which has, works wonders. What? Um, give me your take on the Aaron Rodgers situation. I'm just looking at his. I'm looking right now at his comments, and you know he he is devastated. He says he's not done. He's going to come back. Uh, he says it's always darkest before dawn. And if you watched Hard Knocks, you know that he is ingrained with that team. He, he, you know, he's not just phoning it in, looking for a quick paycheck. Uh, I think that he was on the redemption tour for people to get to know the new Aaron Rodgers, the real Aaron Rodgers. And the way New York said, you're the perfect guy at the perfect time. He saw the young talent this team had. He saw the ability they had in the offense, even though they have a terrible line right now. And he thought, I'd love to lead these guys. So instead of people wondering what's wrong with Aaron Rodgers, why is he so insolent, why is he uh, so out there, people are saying, hey, I love this guy. So uh, it all happened. It ended, what was the cover of the New York Post? Uh, The Aaron Rodgers era, four minutes. It really was. I mean, four plays, four minutes, and he was done. So So I do do still think the Jets are a playoff team. Still, even with uh, Zach Wilson. I do. I, hope I mean, so. there was a reason why this guy was the number two pick overall. And I know Gary Myers was saying to us earlier this week, it was the pandemic year. They really didn't have a chance to try out these guys. They only really knew Trevor Lawrence. But I do think that Wilson's got some fundamental talent, and I think that Rodgers has made a real impact on him. 
and he took the pressure off him. So, so if this guy can look off a receiver once in a while and use his arm and his feet, which he can use, and then remember, when Vinny Testaverde had problems his whole career because he had all this talent but he wasn't able to execute, Bill Parcells came in and said, we're just going to give this guy two reads, all plays. Let's, let's simplify the playbook. And they were in the, NF- the AFC championship game. And they were about to maybe go to the Super Bowl until he tore his, get this, Achilles tendon oh, in 1999. Boy. Wow. So I do think there's some precedent there. Uh, that's, uh, that's wild. Well, I'd love to see the Jets still make the playoffs. That would, uh, that would be great. All right. Um, let me ask you about uh, the news yesterday that uh, Willard Mitt Romney is not going to be running for re-election. Uh-huh. Uh, he kind of threw some shade at both President Biden and President Trump out the door saying he's too old and it's time for a new generation of leaders. He, by the way, is younger than, uh, than Biden and Trump. Give me your take on this Romney announcement. It's interesting. I mean, he is older. He says, you know, I think he gave some wise remarks. He says, if I knew I was going to be as uh, vibrant as Chuck Grassley, I might feel differently. He does think he wants a new generation of leaders. We've talked about that. Everybody's talked about that. And for him to throw shade at Trump is not a surprise. For for him to say he is basically giving a message to Biden, join the club. Dave Ignatius did it yesterday because Joe Biden is not Chuck Grassley. Joe Biden is not Mitt Romney. I mean, there's only four years difference between them. I don't think anyone thinks Mitt Romney's too old. They just think that it's a new generation. You go to an AI meeting and you don't know what the hell they're talking about. That makes you think to yourself, you know, maybe we need a 37-year-old in there. And I get it. So I think he's right. He's got, he's got more money than God. He's 76 years old. He's got, I think, two dozen grandchildren. He's got six kids, seven kids. He's got five houses minimum. Why would you want to go back and forth in the Senate? And then even if the the guy from your party becomes president, you guys hate each other if it is Trump. So you're probably going to have no influence. And right now you could be as a spoiler when you decide to go with a Democrat. So, I, you know, I get it. Yeah, I, I am uh, maybe a little bit more cynical. I, I think this is largely the same decision he made when he decided not to run for uh, re-election as governor of Massachusetts, which I don't think he was going to get re-elected. And uh, obviously, you know, it was, uh, I think that's guiding at least part of the decision here. Hey, uh, speaking of another senator that's making quite a bit of news, Tim Scott, who you've interviewed, you had him on uh, last week, great interview. He is apparently pushing the RNC to change the qualifying and podium placement rules for the upcoming presidential debates. He's calling for more emphasis on polls in early voting states rather than national polls. You obviously uh, you work for Fox, which is hosting the next debate on September 27th. What do you make of uh, Tim Scott's candidacy in general at this point and this sort of move that he's making to uh, change the qualifying and the podium placement for the debate? A th- mm. couple of things. Tim Scott's got to make news. The best thing to happen to Tim Scott is when Barack Obama attacked him. you got to find a way. Like Vivek Ramaswamy helped Nikki Haley uh, and, and Mike Pence. You know, Ron DeSantis needed not to make news. You know, he's a solid number two. But Tim Scott needs to, 
in a, in a way, you know, be attacked, you know, being, you know, go ahead and do the, the old standby. He's a sellout to his race. And then let him tell his story. Like he had an opportunity when Vivek said, everybody up here on this stage except me has been bought and sold. And here's a guy that was born up literally in a one room house uh, with him, his brother, his grandmother, his grandfather and his mom in, in the most dilapidated situation you could possibly imagine. That would have been the moment for him to say, as, as Kamala said, I was that little girl. And we still talk about that one moment that she had and she's had none since. But he needs one of those. Because right now he's very biographical driven. He's got to get into the policy in a way that's going to make headlines. I think he's a solid number two. I have not seen him surge in the polls like we've seen Haley surge. And right now Trump seems to be untouchable. And I think that's why his internals say he doesn't really have to campaign right now. And it's interesting. Kellyanne Conway came out and said, you know, it's expensive to run a rally. He goes, you know, the security that he needs, the transportation back and forth, the people that got to get there, uh, the insurance that you need to hold a rally. It's not worth it for Trump to do it. Tim Scott's got to do something that gets Trump out. You know, it's almost as if I'm not going to put my starters in if I'm winning by 45 points. But you close the gap, I'll get back in there. And I'm not sure Tim Scott's got that to do it. And I'm the biggest Tim Scott fan out there. The, um, you know, the Republicans in Congress appear to be moving forward with this impeachment inquiry. I think this is just a, a tremendous political mistake. Not only do you have a lot of Republicans in states like New York that are uh, representing purple districts, which this is going to be hung all over them, but um, obviously we know where this is going, given the composition of the Senate. I mean, I, I think you probably have a different view. Uh, how do you see this playing out, Brian? Well, I would say this. You know, I, I flip around a lot. I listened to Dan Abrams last night. And he says, well, we found out that Joe Biden did know about the president's business dealings. He kind of fudged that. And we found out that not only that, you know, he probably knows that they discussed it before and probably knew details about it and probably knew the people he was in business with. So he fudged that. No, no, he lied about that. And then I see this study that uh, this other Quinnipiac poll, which I think we both agree, tend to be friendly to Democrats. This poll shows the American people think Joe Biden's lying, his greatest asset that he is. So there's a lot there. I think if it gives him additional subpoena power and puts some teeth in these requests, like the pseudonames, uh, those pseudonames that are sitting at the National Archives that have Hunter CC'd on international relations, why would you need Hunter CC'd on an email to Turkey? What is going on? So here, listen to this. New polls revealed about the American beliefs on Hunter. The Justice Department treatment of Hunter Biden has been 50 percent said not tough enough. Do you believe that Hunter Biden, do you believe that Hunter Biden, 44, did something illegal? 44 percent, yes. 33 percent did something unethical, but nothing illegal. So they are getting, in the last eight months, the American people to understand this guy's got problems. And he is linked to Hunter. And he's already told you. The laptop's not real. It's real. He lied. Do I know anything about Hunter's business dealings? Nothing. He lied. Do Was I involved in it? 
He said nothing. He was at business meetings golfing with his partners. We have uh, personal letters to uh, Devin Archer. Are you kidding me? How many more lies are we going to discover? And I I think that if the Republicans can explain how they're being thwarted to getting the answers they need to tell this story— it will be worth it. Well, you know, I uh, I did catch a little bit of uh, Dan Abrams last night as well. I, I, I enjoy a lot of his uh, monologues, and uh, unlike some other shows he in primetime, he's kind enough to invite me on there once in a while, which I think is good. I just think, um, irrespective of everything that, uh, that you said, I just think politically it's going to be a tough road to hoe when they have such a narrow majority and these Republicans have to run for re-election in Biden uh, districts where they're going to be portrayed, even if they're not exactly the tip of the spear, including one of the guys you're interviewing today, Congressman Michael Lawler. I think they're, they're the, Gretchen Whitmer's sister who's running for that seat and uh, uh, Congressman, um, you know, the other Congressman Jamal Bowman that had uh, ha- occupied that seat previously. I think they're chomping at the bit to make that an issue in this campaign. We'll see where it goes, though. It's going to be interesting. Um, hey, you're interviewing one of my favorites, Arthur Brooks, today. That's going to be a lot of fun deep thinker he did a book with oprah uh about how to basically have a better life so uh, hopefully um we're gonna have him on the sun uh the saturday show too we'll let everybody's life get better when he's done he's also a deep conservative thinker he also wrote a book on happiness he's a ivy league professor so um i have to step up my game well, and, uh, you know, if there's one thing I want for you, it's uh, it's certainly uh, happiness. And he's got that new book with uh, with Oprah that seems definitely worth checking out. Brian, uh, take care of that voice. Thank you. Go get him, Frank. Thank you. The great Brian Kilmeade. See him on uh, Fox and Friends this morning. You can check him out on radio a little bit later.